Came a flying, Lord, 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 he was way high a flying, Lord, Lord, Lord. That's right, only one. It's a really tiny town, but with a really big airport. It's our next stop in the big blue marble series on Weather Jazz. Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything, weather, science, earth science, and a whole lot more. I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is season three, episode number 41. And today is Wednesday, the Ides of March, March 15, 2023, and it feels great to see such a sunny day out there in Northeast Ohio after a lot of cloud cover and most recently some pretty decent snows. Now, obviously not as much snow as the Hudson Valley and the Berkshires of Massachusetts, but that snowpack last night allowed temperatures to head into some pretty cold territory in the overnight period. I'll talk more about that in just a little bit. Right now, though, let me tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Risendine in Chesterland. Owner-operators Frank and Terry Arco, always there to make sure that you're going to leave with a smile on your face and make sure that your experience puts a smile on your face the minute you hit the door. If you've never paid them a visit, Go check them out. They're at the corner of Route 306 and 322 in Chesterlin on the southeast corner, just south of the CVS in the plaza. And they have a great menu for breakfast, brunch, and lunch. They're open 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. Wednesday through Monday. Well, before we go exploring the big blue marble today, let me tell you a little bit about the overnight low temperatures this morning in Northeast Ohio. For those of you that are listening from this area, you may have awakened, first of all, to lots of bright sunshine. That was certainly a very encouraging thing. But skies last night cleared out even in the snow belt before sunrise. And when that happens with fresh snowpack, And with light winds, well, radiational cooling is king. And that drove temperatures into some pretty cold territory. Let me go through some of the overnight low temperatures. Now, on Monday, we talked a little bit about some of the weather systems that are out there and available to check out. One of them is the ambient weather systems. If you go to ambientweather.net, you can see what uh, some of those ambient weather system clusters are measuring. And I did that this morning. I hunted and pecked around, looked around at some of the overnight low temperatures. The coldest one that I found was actually in Aquila, and that would be in Geauga County, south of Chardon. They had a morning low of eight. I love the number eight. 
It keeps me employed. That's the television station I work for. But when it shows up on your backyard thermometer, that's a whole different thing. But at least the winds were light and variable at the time. Uh, It may make a little bit of a difference. At least you're not dealing with wind chill. Some of the other overnight low temperatures, novelty down to 10 degrees. Aurora, 10 degrees. Grafton, 11 this morning. Uh, Brunswick, 15. Uh, Boston Heights near Boston Mills and Brandywine, 16. And we even had 18 above in West Salem. And even in downtown Parma, very close to the city of Cleveland, 20 degrees for the overnight low. Hopkins Airport, they snuck down to 18 for the overnight low temperature. So this is going to end up being one of those days that pulls the March averages right down into that plus or minus two category when you average it all out for the season. And we'll see where we end up in the month of March. Okay, it's time to do some exploring. We're going to explore a certain location on our big blue marble. And according to one of the websites, you can actually type in a name and it will list all of the official town and city locations with that name. And so I was curious about Goose, and I typed in Goose, and there was only one entry that came up. Now, please bear in mind that these are official town names and city names. There are plenty of places across the world with names like Goose River and Goose Island or Goose Bay, but there is only one place whose name, the official town name, has the word Goose in it. Where is it? It's Goose Bay. And Goose Bay is located in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador in Canada. It's one of the gateway locations along the Atlantic. Of course, it is in an inlet. You have to travel quite a distance in from the shoreline in this bay area. And once you hit the point where it all comes together, that's where Goose Bay is located. If you'd like to see it on a map, I will provide a map and a locator pointer on weatherjazz.com episode number 41. Now, Goose Bay also has another name. It also goes by the name of Happy Valley. It was known as Happy Valley really before Goose Bay, but now it's officially called Happy Valley-Goose Bay, It is actually identified as both, and it is the largest population center in that part of Canada. It has an estimated 8,109 residents as of 2016. Now, it was actually incorporated as Goose Bay in 1973, and it comprises the former town of Happy Valley, as I mentioned before, and the local improvement district of Goose Bay. It is built on a large sandy plateau, and that was done in 1941. The town is home to the largest military air base in northeastern North America. That's why in the very beginning of the program today, I mentioned that, yeah, it was a really small town, but they have a really, really big airport. Now, if you'd like to see an aerial of that airport, I'll also upload an image, a satellite image, 
of what that airport looks like on weatherjazz.com, episode number 41. Let's talk a little bit about the history of Goose Bay. You see, back in the summer of 1941, someone by the name of Eric Fry, who was an employee of the Canadian Department of Mines and Resources on loan to the Royal Canadian Air Force, selected a large sandy plateau near the mouth of the Goose River. By the way, the Goose River goes from Goose Bay, and it travels inland hundreds of miles. It is a very long river. Now, Eric's focus was to look for a location for an Air Force base, and he thought he had the perfect place there in the Goose Bay area. Docking facilities for transportation of goods and personnel were built at Terrigan Basin, and that's where all of the materials were brought in to begin construction on this Canadian Air Force base. Now, in 1941, World War II was in bloom and beginning to really take the attention of uh, really the entire world. So it only took, get this, five months to build an operational military airport on that leased territory. It was at that point that Goose Air Base became a landing and refueling stop for the Atlantic ferry route. Back then in 1941, remember, aircraft did not have the capability to travel the distance, say, between Europe and places here in the United States. So a lot of those aircraft needed a place to land as soon as they hit a land shore, especially in eastern Canada, and that would have been Goose Bay. Now, when the airport was first built, there were actually only three families that arrived to work for the construction of that base. There were the Saunders from Davis Inlet, the Broomfields from Big Bay, and the Peralts from McCovick. That was the start. And eventually that grew from there as the construction began. Now, Happy Valley, which is what it was initially called, had its first school operated by Mrs. Perot, one of the families, from her home until 1946. Eventually, the Royal Canadian Air Force donated one of its buildings so that the school could operate. So what happened to that building today? Well, in 1962, that old one-room school was bought by Bella and Clarence Brown, and they turned it back into a family residence. And in 1949, the Air Force donated a second building, which became the North Star School. And Mrs. Perot became Happy Valley's first librarian also. Bella Brown took over as Happy Valley's librarian when the North Star School's second building was donated as the new library. What about the weather in Goose Bay? I can still remember as a teenager tuning into shortwave radio, there was a certain radio station that gave hourly weather reports for a lot of the maritime places in Canada and in Greenland so that airmen could receive the information while they were in the air. And I could receive that most of the time in my basement weather bunker in southern New England. One of the places that they always reported on was Goose Bay, Canada. It was especially interesting to keep track of what the weather was like in Goose Bay, especially in our summertime in southern New England, many times in the 80s and 90s. 
occasionally touching 100, not too often along the southeast shoreline of Massachusetts, but it would happen. So it was interesting to note what the climate was like in Goose Bay, Canada, in the summer, and really for the entire year. So let's break it down. The Happy Valley Goose Bay area displays what's known as a humid continental climate, but they're right on the borderline with where the subarctic climate begins. What does that mean? Essentially, they're marked by significant snowfall in the winter, as you would anticipate, which has its average high temperature around 10 degrees Fahrenheit. In the summer, highs, on the other hand, will average no higher than 68 degrees by and large. The average temperature stays below freezing for five months out of the year. Makes sense. Goose Bay is pretty high up in latitude, which means that the overnight low temperature stays below freezing for eight months out of the year. What about snowfall? As I mentioned, they are right on the edge of the humid continental climate, which means that they have ample moisture, being essentially right on the east coast of the Atlantic Ocean, despite the fact that they are in an inlet, certainly does assist the fact that they have that moisture available. So snowfall averages 180 inches per year. How does that compare to Northeast Ohio, for instance? Well, in Chardon, Ohio, the average annual snowfall is about 120 to 130 inches. That hasn't been the case this year. Everyone's been suffering quite a deficit here in Northeast Ohio. But if you live in Chardon, you know, obviously, what snow is like in the wintertime. It happens a lot. Well, it happens a little bit more than that in Goose Bay with 180 inches per year. By the way, snowfall occurs in every single month of the year except in July and August. So, yes, they've had snow in June and they start seeing snow in the month of September. Overall precipitation, 37 inches. And this is rather significant in the sense that it is rather heavy for a continental climate at this latitude. Well, let's talk a little bit about the airport because the reason Goose Bay is there is because of this huge airport that perhaps you wouldn't ordinarily think would be there, but that's the reason Goose Bay exists. The Canadian Forces Base, Goose Bay, by the way, if you're looking for the four-letter identifier for Goose Bay, it is C-Y-Y-R, Charlie Yankee Yankee Romeo. It's commonly referred to as CFB Goose Bay, and even now it is operated as an Air Force base by the Royal Canadian Air Force. Its primary Royal Canadian Air Force Lodger unit is better known as Five Wing, or even more commonly referred to as Five Wing Goose Bay. And during its history, the United States did join the Canadians and built its own station, and the USA Air Force Base was known as Goose Air Base. And later on in its history, there were several other NATO countries that had a presence at Goose Bay Air Force Base. Well, something very interesting happened at Goose Bay in 1983. A NASA Boeing 747 transport aircraft carrying the Space Shuttle Enterprise actually landed at Goose Bay to refuel 
on its way to a European tour where the prototype shuttle was then displayed in France and the United Kingdom. This was the first time that a U.S. space shuttle ever, quote-unquote, landed outside the United States. Well, aside from being a very significant presence in the air defense system of North America, what else does Goose Bay Airport do? What other functions does it have? And there is one. You see, an increasing number of airliners, especially the mid-range aircraft like the Boeing 757, have resorted to using Goose Bay for unplanned fuel stops. Now, why would that be, you ask? Good question. Well, it's especially common for transatlantic flights going from Europe to the United States to be impacted by occasionally seasonally strong jet streams over the North Atlantic. And when they get into those jet streams that essentially slow the aircraft's ground speed down, it eats up a lot of fuel. In fact, so much so that they are pretty much going to have to get some fuel somewhere else before going to their final destination. Otherwise, they would run out. Now, many of you may or may not know that for a very brief interval of my career, I did spend some time as a transatlantic flight meteorologist for then Northwest Airline based in Minneapolis. That was for a couple of years in the mid-1980s. And once, and fortunately it was only once, one of my flights that I planned for and took care of to bring from Europe back to the United States encountered some of these very, very strong winds, so much so that the pilots realized that they would not have enough fuel to reach their destination. And I believe it might have been Chicago. And so they had to make one of those unplanned fuel stops. And it might have been Goose Bay or it might have been Sonderstrom in Greenland, one of these locations to pick up enough fuel to get to their destination. Obviously, that kind of pulls them back with their schedule and delays their arrival And naturally, the next day when I got in, they said, one of your flights had to pick up more fuel. Whenever that happened, we as the meteorology team, the individual that was responsible for that flight, had to write a report that went to the managers and the CEO of Northwest Airline explaining just exactly what happened and what it is that we're going to do to adjust to make sure that that doesn't happen again, or at least minimizes the chance that that would happen again. Because that's the reason we were there. As meteorologists, we had responsibilities to essentially get the aircraft from one place to another in the least amount of time using the least amount of fuel. And our department essentially paid for itself in all of the savings in the fuel, except for every once in a while, when a forecast didn't go the way we intended or thought. And so we retroactively looked at the scenario and saw what we could learn from that scenario so that we wouldn't get a repeat. And so periodically, Goose Bay Airport will receive civilian aircraft coming in for some extra fuel in the event that they hit some really strong headwinds on the way from Europe back to the USA. The majority of civilian airliners using the airfield, well, they're simply not regularly scheduled 
airlines that go into this location, not for a city of only 8,000 or so. And so now you know the story behind the huge airport at Goose Bay, Canada, along the east coast of Newfoundland, Labrador. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Big Blue Marble Series on Science Wednesday. Help me to spread the word about this podcast inside your sphere of influence by email or word of mouth, eyeball to eyeball. And if you have a suggestion for a location that we ought to dig down deep and see what makes it tick, I welcome your email. And you can email me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com or you can give me a call and leave me a message on the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect Line 234-525-5888. Hey, guess what's coming on Friday? Yes, another episode of Open Line Friday, but also St. Patrick's Day. I had some wonderful stuffed French toast this morning. It was stuffed with corned beef. I'm getting a jump start on my corned beef fix. Don't worry, though. Not in the morning, anyway. No green beer. I'm not a big beer fan, actually. So little chance of that happening even in the later hours. The only green beverage I think I'll go for would be something like Lime A. There you have it. Hey, have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the sunshine if you're in Northeast Ohio and if you are in the Northeast. Wow, cleanup is just beginning with one to two feet of heavy, wet snow. It's one of those March snowfalls that you'll probably remember for a while. Incidentally, the amounts seen in Albany will be responsible for pushing it into surplus territory for snowfall this year. It was in deficit mode for quite a bit of it, like we were here. But obviously, when you pick up a quick foot or two, it's going to make a big, big difference. So happy cleanup to those of you in the Northeast. We'll catch you on Friday right here in Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe. Across the globe. The Weather Jazz Podcast.